My friends in Christ, Benjamin Franklin gets credit for the familiar saying, in this world, nothing is certain except death and taxes. There's no arguing the point, is there? But for all their certainty, we avoid dealing with death and taxes as much as we can. April 15th gets in the way, of course. And when it comes to death, many people don't even like to use the word, preferring euphemisms like passed and passed away. They're fine, but they're euphemisms. But no matter how much we may avoid the word, we can't escape the reality, can we? Nor will we. As a priest, I deal a lot with death. And to be honest, I can get overwhelmed by it. Not so much by death itself. In the main, I think I've come to a place of peace there most of the time. No, I'm overwhelmed not so much by death itself as by how often I have to deal with it and by the awful toll it takes on the person dying and on the family and loved ones. It's a daunting and difficult thing to accompany people in the grief that engulfs them when a loved one has died. I find myself wishing I had a magic wand that I could take out and wave it over the people. But of course, there is no magic wand. And there really aren't any words either. Sometimes all I can do is be silently and lovingly and prayerfully present and leave the rest to God. In today's story of the death and raising of Lazarus, we get a window onto what Jesus did in the face of death. But before I get to that, let me remind you that we are in John's Gospel, and as with all the great stories in John's Gospel, there is more than one layer of meaning. That was true of the story of the woman at the well two Sundays ago. It was true of the story of the blind man last Sunday, and it's true of this story. This is a story not only about Lazarus' untimely death and Jesus raising him from the dead, it's also a story about Jesus' desire to bring people to faith. This is clear from the rather surprising little detail in the story where after hearing that Lazarus was ill, Jesus waited for two whole days before going to him. The reason for this becomes clear from the words that Jesus prayed before he called Lazarus forth from the tomb. These words, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I know you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd, that they may believe that you sent me. So this is not only a story of Jesus miraculously bring his, bringing his friend back from the dead. John also presents it as a sign, a sign that manifests the glory of God, a sign that has the power to bring people to faith. In him. Now, back to the window, we get onto what Jesus did in the face of death. It's best seen, I think, in the different ways Jesus dealt with Martha and Mary, the sisters of Lazarus. Both of them, you may have noticed, when they met Jesus, said the same thing to him Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But with Martha, 
Jesus seems almost removed, content to stay at the level of faith, telling her, your brother will rise again, and I am the resurrection and the life. But when Mary, the more outwardly emotional of the two, falls at Jesus' feet weeping, we are told that Jesus was troubled in spirit, moved by the deepest emotions. And not only that, when he asked where the tomb was, we are told in what must be the shortest verse in all the Gospels, we are told Jesus wept. There's a lot packed into those two words, my friends, and you can see what I mean by getting a window onto Jesus. It's easy to picture that scene, isn't it? Jesus is very human, touchingly so. He is clearly one of us, vulnerable, at the mercy of his emotions. My friends, the Jesus we meet here is one I can easily relate to, and I trust you can too. I often think of that scene when I'm dealing with a dying parishioner or with the family of someone who has died, or with someone in my own family for that matter. And as with Jesus, tears do come to my eyes often enough. Other times, they overflow in my heart. There's one other little window onto Jesus in the story. It's in the words Jesus speaks after he calls Lazarus forth from the tomb. Untie him, Jesus says. Untie him and let him go free. It's one thing for Jesus to want his friend to live. It's another for him to want him to be free. Free from the things that get in the way of living life to the full. Things like that lessen a person's lease on life. Crippling things like fear, doubt, anxiety, and struggles of whatever kind. My friends, I believe that Jesus speaks those same words to you and me. Untie him. Untie her. Let them go free. He wants us to be untied, unbound, free. Free to walk in the light of day. Free to walk in the light of faith. Free to walk in the light of life. There are so many things that can get in the way of this. Jesus wants us to be free of every one of them. My friends, this freedom we will fully possess only when we come to terms with death. It's finality, yes, but also it's finitude. For even though death is inevitable and inescapable, it does not get the last word. Life does. It always does. That is our firm belief. It is the very foundation of our faith. It is what we will be celebrating in the coming holy days. And it is what we celebrate now. And every time we gather together to break the bread of the Eucharist, the bread of life, we who eat this bread will live forever.